with over 25 years of experience integrating mental health and spirituality, the author of Reclaiming Authenticity, When Ancestors Weep, and Redeeming the Bereaved. Here is Dr. James Houck. Well, hey, good afternoon, everybody, wherever you are in the world at this time. Welcome to Reclaiming Authenticity, helping you find your courage to reclaim that which has always, always been in you. Very excited to be with you here today and every Friday at this time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, noon Pacific Standard Time. And uh, if you've been listening to me for a while now, uh, each and every week, these broadcasts focus on the integration of our spirituality and our mental health. And it's all placed within the context of ourselves and others and God or the divine. I am Dr. James Houck, and if you would like more information about me or to leave me your comments about today's show, I invite you to visit the website. It's www.bbsradio.com backslash reclaiming authenticity. All one word there. And if you would like to be part of the show, I just invite you to call in. It's toll free. It's 888-627-6008. That's 888-627-6008. And just in case you can't spend the whole hour with me, if you have to break away in the middle of it or so forth, um, you know, these broadcasts are podcasted now. So in case you want to go back and listen again, or you can go back into the archives and listen to previous shows that you may have missed or ones that uh, pique your interest. So. And for those who uh, you that are, who are new to the program, I just want to thank you for joining me today. This is a very special 100th broadcast and the beginning of my third year with BBSRadio.com. And uh, and as always, as I've mentioned, you know, I've talked about subjects that integrate spirituality with our mental health issues, themes that I believe fit nicely together. And um, I always like to begin these broadcasts by explaining not just a little bit about myself, um, but I'd also like to explain how Reclaiming Authenticity came to be. Uh, Because first of all, I'd like to say that uh, Reclaiming Authenticity actually grew out of two deep-seated beliefs within me. And the first is that I truly believe that the very best place to look for answers to our problems or issues is to first look within ourselves. You know, too many people or too many times we end up looking in all the wrong places for solutions to our problems or we tend to blame others for our mistakes or troubles or or even how our lives have turned out. But we never bother looking within. You know, that that seems to be just uh, very much um, unnerving for a lot of people to ask the very tough questions of themselves because, well, we don't know what kind of answer we're going to get. And so if we don't ask the question, we don't have to worry about it. But that doesn't do us any good because we're still kind of spinning our own wheels and making our same mistakes over and over and over again. But when we turn the, uh, shall we say, the uh, spiritual microscope back in on ourselves, 
and we begin to ask those tough questions, we realize that, again, we are not bad people. We just make bad decisions. There is good in everybody. It's just what are we allowing to come in and cover over, you know, the good stuff that's in us, the very best of ourselves, the things that we came into this world with, you know, the gifts and the graces. Okay. And, and, um, you know, I place myself within that camp because for the longest time, I never thought I had any good in me. You know, even as a little kid, I, you know, I thought there's no way I could find answers, you know, to my life by looking within. But uh, little did I realize that once I started looking within my own heart, I not only came, shall we say, face to face with my relational issues and what it would take to forgive and be grateful with and love myself, but also I learned how forgiveness and gratitude and love healed others and how it healed relationships. So this was and is actually the first thing that reclaiming authenticity is all about. And the uh, second aspect that shaped reclaiming authenticity, I had just alluded to it, is that I also firmly believe that all of us come into this world already equipped and graced with everything we need in this life in terms of our giftedness or in terms of our skills and our talents, or our strength and character traits, and so forth. And yet, as we go along in life, um, and maybe being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and, and due to some other unpleasant experiences, we may feel as though we need to hide our giftedness. You know, we kind of shirk back from that. Or we don't want others to see our talents or our strengths, because we fear that those things are going to be exploited and so forth. And so we push our giftedness way down so that others cannot see it. Or maybe we've struggled all our lives, you know, just being told that, well, you're never really going to amount to anything. Or, you know, maybe that uh, this is as good as it's going to get. Or whatever other voice we heard telling us that there's nothing special to us. Well, at any rate, we do not realize our giftedness when we do these things and we go through life functioning from a place of woundedness or a place of victimization instead of that place of healing and wholeness and strength and really embracing who we are, our uniqueness or our achayatas. And this is why I, I place this whole integration of mental health and spirituality in relationships. Because when you think about it, we often receive our deepest physical, emotional, psychological, and even spiritual wounds in and through relationships. And yet, here's the irony. We can also discover our greatest healing, strength, peace, forgiveness, and love through healthier relationships. And these relationships just might be within our own families or our coworkers. They might even be within a friend group. But you know, whenever we transform, we also transform others by our presence, grace, and understanding. I mean, people may not know what it is that's different about us, but they know that something's different. They know that some form of trans, uh, transformation has taken place on some degree or some level within us as our healing takes place. But first, 
you know, forgiveness, kindness, compassion has to begin with how we treat ourselves. Because, the, you know, coming back to relationships, the two go hand in hand. Because whenever we are compassionate with ourselves, we then can be more compassionate with others. And whenever we are more forgiving with ourselves and more patient with ourselves, we then can be more forgiving and patient with others. And when we're able to live in gratitude with ourselves and just simply to be grateful and thankful for everything in our lives, we then discover how this really opens up our hearts to live and see and to be in gratitude with others. So first and foremost, this transformation begins with us, and it just radiates out. So today, this June 10th, just so happens to be a very special 100th broadcast episode, which focuses on spirit animals. You know, the critters in our lives that show up at just the right place, and just the right time to help us and teach us something about ourselves, perhaps when we least expect it, but yet we need it the most. So uh, before I begin today's broadcast, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Southern Ute Indian Tribe in Southwest Colorado. Hey guys, how are you doing out there? I was out there over a week ago on... Uh, doing my own uh, spiritual ceremony, a little vacation, you know, catching up with old friends and making new friends. And I have to say that I was treated exceptionally well. The, uh, the, the Southern Ute people, the Pueblo uh, people are very friendly and inviting and made me feel right at home. And it just so happened, as other things I was doing, I, I was also out there at a time during their annual bear dance. B-E-A-R. Yeah, that's right. The Bear Dance, which which is held every spring as a social dance, or it also can be described as a ladies' choice dance. And this is where, uh, at the beginning of every round of the dance, the ladies would go select a man as their partner for that particular round and would dance together for as uh, what I experienced one day, it was just more of like line dancing with men on one side, women on the other, and we just danced back and forth. It was very rhythmic. Now, uh, interestingly, the origin of the Ute Bear Dance actually relates to a time, I think it was somewhere back in the 15th century, when uh, two Indian brothers were out hunting in the mountains. And when they became tired, of course, they lay down to rest. And um, one of the brothers uh, just kind of woke up and noticed a bear standing upright, facing a tree. And this bear seemed to be moving and dancing and making a noise while clawing the tree. And then it turned around and began to scratch its back against the tree. You know, I'm sure we've all seen this. Or maybe if you have uh, stucco walls at home, you've done this many times. And yes, it does feel good. So, um, you know, the one brother just was fascinated by this. And he just watched the bear uh, do this for the longest time. Uh, the other brother, well, he woke up and he just went on hunting while the other brother just continued to observe the bear. And the bear uh, actually taught the young man to do the same dance and also taught him a song that went with the dance. And he told the young man to return to his people and teach them the dance and the songs of the bear. 
And the songs, uh, according to legends, show respect for the spirit of the bear and respect to the bear spirit. And in doing so, it makes a person strong. So every year after a long winter, everybody is ready to be outside, including the bears, you know, awakening from hibernation. And the uh, bear dance was one way which the people could release their tensions from being cooped up all winter. You know, you just go a little stir-crazy after a while. It's like, ah, oh, it can be out. It's beautiful weather. And um, as I said, the, the men and the women, as they uh, entered the corral, would wear some sort of plumes, which at the end of the fourth and final day, they would leave on a cedar tree at the east entrance of the corral. And as the Utes say, that leaving a plume on the tree was to leave your troubles behind and to start your life anew. And I like that. You know, you enter the dance, but then you leave um, totally different, refreshed, renewed, ready to, uh, you know, continue living life, but with a uh, renewed perspective. And this year, the bear dance just so happened to fall on Memorial Day weekend. And like I said, I had a ball. Um, it's a social dance whereby everyone gathered in a, a very large corral, women on one side, men on the other. And when the signal was given, the women would walk across the corral and choose their partners to participate in the line dance. It was, it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, they were very uh, patient with me as um, not the world's best dancer, but uh, I picked it up <laughs> fairly easy after a while. But, you know, when I reflected on being there at the bear dance, I remember just how many Native Americans and other indigenous people incorporate animals into their own spiritual ceremonies and their lives. I mean, there, there's animals such as the bear, the wolf, the tiger, the lion, the whale, the fish, the turtle, the frog, uh, snake, eagle, hawk, raven, crow, and so forth, just to name a few. You know, the animal kingdom is just vast. And each animal is and was honored for its particular spirit and wisdom strength or other characteristics that the people would learn from and eventually integrate into their lives. And as the customs go within ceremonies, people would often wear, um, let's say, feathers or claws or, or bones or whatever it might be, or, or the fur, uh, representing the animals that they connected with. And at uh, other times, people would often place pictures of you know, specific animals in their homes to remind themselves of the special connection the animal has with them. Well, I was reflecting more about this. I was reminded of just something that I really enjoyed back in the day as a small boy. So um, there used to be a line of clothing called Granimals. Okay, yeah, Granimals. And, and if you're, you know, now you've got that stuck in your head, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the whole idea was to make it easier for parents to buy clothes for their children simply by matching outfits, by matching the animals. 
you know, is a marketing and styling genius. And it certainly made shopping for clothes fun and much easier. I mean, all you had to do was to find two of the same animals to ensure the clothing would match. And even the kids would get in on it as they combed the clothing aisles, uh, you know, trying to match giraffe pants with giraffe tops or matching, let's say, bear shirts with pants that had the same bear tag or an elephant tag that matched sweaters and pants. Well, would you believe that the concept of animals can actually provide us with a deeper understanding of how we are matched with a particular spirit animal in our lives. It's true. I'm not, I'm not crazy here. It's, it's, it's certainly true. Just follow me on this, okay? Let's think of it this way. On some spiritual level, we begin to notice how certain animals show up in our lives, right? And I'm sure this has happened to each and every one of us, okay? And I'm not talking about particular dogs or cats or, you know, not so much the domesticated animals, but let's say, you know, some indigenous animals or animals that we don't see too often, all of a sudden begin to show up. You know, sometimes they appear in dreams or other times they might appear in the strangest ways or, you know, come across our path or something. And when they do, it's almost as if they say to us, tag, you're it. In other words, they get our attention because they are somehow matched with our spiritual energy and characteristics, and vice versa, we're matched with them. And when this matching occurs, it's really time for us to take seriously what we need to learn about these animals and how they teach us about our spiritual selves. And we can certainly begin by just simply making note of, you know, our circumstances or situations in our lives and why a particular animal is showing up at that time. I mean, why now? Why am I suddenly seeing zebras or why am I suddenly seeing, you know, bear or, or deer or whatever it might be? What's going on in my life? And we can ask ourselves, you know, what struggles am I having? Or where do I feel stuck in my life right now? I said, these are all healthy questions that we can ask ourselves. And as we pay attention to our spirit animal, we can note its characteristics and how this understanding can also awaken similar gifts and traits within us. Okay, remember, we're coming back to reclaiming authenticity now that we come into this world already gifted and graced and, and with skills and talents and so forth. A lot of times those, those gifts and talents and skills and so forth often lie dormant within us until they are ready to come up, until we are ready for them to come up. And certainly with the presence of a spirit animal, we can not only understand its own characteristics and what makes, you know, let's say, a particular animal unique, but this understanding can also awaken similar gifts within us, okay? And uh, specific animals that show up in our lives can also remind us of our inner strength or remind us of resiliency that we have yet to tap into or encourage us uh, not to make hasty decisions, but instead to slow down 
and be very methodical in our lives. One of my teachers always reminds me to be like a turtle or to slow down and be aware of what's around you. You know, she says that you miss so much just by scurrying around, but it's time to be a turtle. Take it slow. And I even know people who work with their spirit animals for you know, spiritual protection, like say a lion or a cheetah will show up in their dreams uh, that's very vivid. And, uh, you know, maybe it's God's way of, you know, this animal is for your protection. So what do you need to learn about its protection? How does it protect itself in, let's say, everyday life or uh, the strength of that particular animal? And how can we take on that strength? Oh, and um, and by the way, it's not crazy to talk to your spirit animal. We have examples after examples after examples of people speaking to animals, and I'm not just talking about Dr. Doolittle here, but um, we, we do have many, many examples of how uh, people have noted, you know, how they have spoken to their animal and their animal has spoken to them because, um, you know, if the, if the animal uh, you know, shows up in your life, They've already started talking to you. Okay, so it's not crazy to talk to your animal because when they show up, they've already started to talk to you. They talk to your spirit. They talk to your heart. They get your attention and so forth. And it's up to us to simply listen, to pay attention, and to allow, and to be aware. I mean, yes, teachers are everywhere even in the most unlikely places, through the most unlikely circumstances. And unlike all great teachers, you know, uh, you know, you know, or I should say, and like all great teachers, their presence always extends beyond time and space. There's really no limit because of the wisdom that comes forth in the teaching. And this is especially true and relevant when specific animals show up at the right time and the right place in order to teach us something about ourselves, a lesson that we have yet to learn, or something that we have not even comprehended yet, or perhaps that, you know, that it's time, that we're ready to strike out on a new path in life, or to um, go in a different direction, or so forth, whatever, whatever the message is. Well, what fascinates humanity regarding watching and tracking indigenous and domestic animals. I mean, there is, you know, humanity is just fascinated with them. I mean, you go on YouTube or, your face, or Facebook and there are hundreds and hundreds of pictures and captions with animals of all species. It's like we never get tired of looking at monkeys or we never get tired of looking at elephants or giraffes or whatever, whatever it might be. And uh, I think it was last year, um, there was a popular documentary that was entitled My Octopus Teacher. It was on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a very interesting documentary, just to say the least. Now, I'm not going to share everything about the story, but you know what really touched me was the way this professional photographer, who just so happened to love scuba diving, you know, he lived in South Africa, and he would dive down, and lo and behold, he kept seeing this octopus um, 
you know, just a very beautiful creature. And it was a female octopus. And um, he just, you know, developed an understanding with this octopus. And every time he would dive down, he would see her. You know, he spent his free time searching for her or watching her and studying the way in which she searched for food or how she protected herself and struggled for, you know, just everyday survival because at times she was quite vulnerable. And interestingly enough, the more he wrote about and reflected on this octopus's characteristics, the more he started to reflect and understand himself and his relationships. And eventually, this understanding brought a deep sense of personal healing for him. You know, and again, if you haven't seen it, I, I do recommend that you, you watch it. It is fascinating, the transformation that occurred in this gentleman just by being a part of the life of this octopus. Well, have you ever stopped to consider just how much animals are a part of our lives? I mean, we have dogs, we have cats, we have lizards, we have guinea pigs, ferrets, and so forth, and fish, and all that, you know, but uh, to really consider just how much or how interconnected we are with uh, the animal kingdom, you know, from the four-leggeds to the winged ones to fish and other creatures who make their home in the sky or on the earth or even under the earth and those that uh, live in the lakes and streams and bays and oceans. And, and the animal world has much to teach us. You know, if we are willing to be aware of them and, you know, uh, not just uh, when, where, why, and how they show up. And it's, it's also interesting that, um, uh, you know, throughout Scripture, throughout, you know, uh, the Bible, there are many, many examples of how God has used and spoken through animals in order to convey spiritual truths to people. And one of my favorite passages is found in Psalm 91. And this is where, you know, it, uh, the familiar passage is that, that God says that, that God will raise you up on the wings of eagles, and he will bear you on the breath of dawn, make you shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of God's hand. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of spirit animals, or it doesn't matter you know, even if you believe in them. They're called spirit animals because they often speak to us in the higher realms of spirit. And a spirit animal is characterized as a teacher or a messenger that comes in the form of an animal and has a personal relationship to an individual. Yeah, very similar to a saint or an angel, but not exactly the same thing. Okay, so if you're looking for a good book that describes how animals interact with humanity on a spiritual level, I would have to highly recommend Animal Speak by Ted Andrews. Animal Speak, okay, by Ted Andrews. A uh, very thorough, uh, uh, just compiling everything as there are sections of the book that are dedicated to the insect world or uh, the birds or snakes and other amphibious animals. And of course, mammals. And um, in some indigenous cultures, animal totems are symbols of very specific kinds of 
energy that are being manifested and aligning with our own lives. And the characteristics and activities of these totems reveal much about our innate strengths and abilities and how it comes through, uh, you know, spirit animals. And totem poles, you know, if you remember um, indigenous folk um, in, say, in Alaska and, and in other locations, the totem poles actually tell the story of a people or a tribe. You know, it tells the stories and legends and history and culture. And these poles often depict a family's status in the community and their origins, lineages, and rights and privileges, and supernatural experiences, and territories, marriages, and even memorials. And a totem pole is actually a complete family history created to last, you know, into eternity. And totem poles were always placed facing the water, so those who, you know, visiting a community would know which families live there. And in Native American circles, certain animals carried with them the air of sophistication and mystery and spirituality. You know, for example, uh, the buffalo is extremely significant for the Lakota Native American Indian. And actually, when we understand the buffalo it, the buffalo has a lot to teach us about the storms that we face in life because the characteristic of the buffalo is that uh, whereas most animals run from storms you know if a storm's coming especially cows gone run you know horses run away from the storm the buffalo instead puts its head down and walks toward the storms so when we study the characteristics of animals, we develop a sense of kinship with them, and we realize how interdependent we are with them. And we, too, can put our head down and face the storms, and not to fear the storms, because there is courage there. There is a strength in the buffalo's heart. There is strength in our heart. And also in the Lakota tradition, um, a story of the, the white buffalo calf woman. Uh, you know, once a beautiful woman dressed in a white buffalo fur appeared and brought the sacred pipe, which she showed how all things are connected and interconnected. And she taught the men and women uh, many mysteries, such as how to pray and to follow a sacred path. Uh, she taught them not only how to pray, but also to how to receive abundance. And she taught them that they didn't need to struggle in order to, in order to survive if their action was always joined with right prayer. Well, I would really love to hear your heart on the matter of the spirit and you know spirit animals, and I would really love for you for you to share your story with me and uh, your animal spirit story. So, if you would like to call in, that number again is eight eight eight. 627-6008. That's 888-627-6008. And I'll be taking your calls after the break. Again, you are listening to Reclaiming Authenticity. And I'm your host, Dr. James Houck. And I'll be back with you in one minute.
Okay, welcome back. I'm Dr. James Hauk, and you are listening to Reclaiming Authenticity. Well, earlier in the broadcast, I was talking about how, on a spiritual level, we begin to notice how certain animals show up in our lives. And sometimes they appear in dreams, other times they appear in the strangest ways. And when they do, it's almost as if they say to us, tag, you're it. You know, they get our attention. They say, hello, you know, or whatever, whatever the, the message is. And uh, this might be for the very first time that we become aware of their presence in, in our lives. And um, I kind of like to blink, uh, believe that, uh, you know, when uh, they get our attention because they're somehow matched with our spiritual energy and characteristics and vice versa. Um, I've had uh, my Native American friends explain to me that, um, you know, when your spirit animal appears, you could have more than one. And what they're actually saying is that they really want to work with us. So it, it behooves us to really pay attention to their energy, their characteristics, their trait, and what we can learn from them and how it can relate to our lives. And when this matching occurs, it's really time to take seriously what we need to learn about these animals and, and what they actually do, do teach us about our spiritual selves. And we can certainly make note of any circumstances or situations in our lives and why a particular animal is showing up at that time. You know, in other words, like, why now am I seeing a lion and why is a lion showing up in my dreams you know, we could ask ourselves, what struggles am I having or where do I feel stuck in my life right now that the lion might be speaking to? What can I learn from the lion? And so forth. And as we pay attention to our spirit animal, we can note its characteristics. And this can certainly increase our understanding and can awaken similar gifts and traits within us. And Specific animals show up in our lives at certain times to perhaps remind us of our inner strength or resiliency or encourage us not to make hasty decisions, but instead to slow down. And uh, some animals show up even, you know, for our spiritual protection. Now, I will just note here very quickly that there are online tests and quizzes that you can take to, you know, find your spirit animal uh, or whether or not you might have a spiritual animal. I don't recommend these online tests and quizzes because there are, um, you know, more subjective, more affirming ways to see if a spirit animal wants to connect with you. And one of the things we can ask is, you know, have we taken notice as to which animals we're drawn to? You know, which ones that seem to connect with us? Which ones do we always want to, to see or which ones that we are always fascinated with? And, and what animals are often drawn to us? Now, for me, there were three distinct times when spirit animals showed up, all with a unique message that revealed something deeper within myself. And taking note of their characteristics and traits, I would often find different ways to integrate their uniqueness into my life. And this started when I was a young boy. Um, I was always drawn to pandas. 
Okay, another bear. Right, I love their fur and you know the black and white coloring. I was just fascinated by them. You know, they were cute and cuddly and so forth, but just still fascinated by them. So I collected books and posters and anything that reminded me of pandas. I even think I had a stuffed panda, you know, little stuffed animal. Um, but I was just fascinated with pandas. Loved pandas growing up. And uh, one of the things that I have learned from the pandas is their gentle strength and slow progress. And um, the panda does possess a gentle strength. that It moves forward slowly um, and it eventually gets to where it's going. It possesses, uh, you know, just great determination and a will to succeed. And... Um, Perhaps if a panda is showing up in your life, you know, the panda is there to support you to achieve your goals and encourages you to endure regardless of how difficult the situation might seem to you. And this certainly fit my life growing up, you know, the struggles and so forth, constantly reminded of keep going, it's worth it, hang in there, you'll get there, keep moving forward. And the uh, the the panda also you know uh, teaches us the importance of being comfortable and secure, uh, which requires you know an abundance of what it needs. And, and you know, and certainly we want to feel secure in our lives. We want to feel relaxed about the future. Um, but the panda also tends to save its energy, and that's why it moves very slowly. And uh, perhaps you know the panda teaches us like. Don't rush into things. Take your time. Think it through. You know, and this way we will, you know, be reassured that uh, we're making the right decisions or, or the right action. And uh, the panda is certainly adaptable. Um, you know, these the bears are carnivores, and they've uh, adapted to almost a, a 100% plant diet, you know, just due to the habitat that they live in. And, um, again, maybe the panda is, is teaching people that, you know, you have the gift of adaptability and teaching you to, that you need to adapt to circumstances and the environment that you are in. So then you can not just survive, but you can also thrive towards your goals. Well, the second time in my life in which animals, uh, spirit animals, um, really became noticeable to me was when I stepped on a ground nest of bees, yellow jackets. And I did this twice, uh, twice in two weeks. Uh, I was just out mowing grass, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, crunch. And here they come. And the first time I was stung over 30 times. The second time I was stung over 20-some times. And um, the first time I was stung <laughs> that many times, I didn't really know what to do. I just finally got them all off of me and everything. I just kind of stood there because I knew my family history. You see, my mother was allergic to bees and um, she would go into anaphylactic shock. And eventually she needed to carry two EpiPens with her. So I just kind of stood there, you know, just not knowing what to do, just waiting to see what would happen. And nothing did. And so it was just like, okay, I guess I didn't inherit that from her. So, but then the second week, um, after I thought it was all good, you know, I got stung again, you know, 20 some times and it's like, okay, what's going on here? What do I need to pay attention to? And, uh, interestingly enough, 
in many Native American religious traditions, bees are representative of life, rebirth, and transformation. And technically speaking, bees should not be able to fly. You know, if you, you know, they're they're just designed all wrong aerodynamically. And from a spiritual perspective, this speaks to, you know, what are our limitations and how do we move past them successfully? And um, there was a movie, oh gosh, decades and decades ago, I'm going to say back in the 80s, maybe early, early 90s, and it's entitled, And the Bumblebee Flies Anyway. It's taking this notion that the wings of the bumblebee, you know, again, aerodynamically, should not be able to support the weight of the bee's body. But it does. It almost defies the odds. So that was the whole premise of the movie. Like, how in your life can you defy the odds when, on all outward appearances, you know, you shouldn't be able to do this, but you do, and so you can. And so when a bee comes to you as a spirit animal guide, you know, maybe it's time to take a little inventory regarding responsibilities. And, you know, maybe you're overextended or you perhaps become apathetic. Um, and bees don't really tolerate extremes. They, they like to find, you know, their energy somewhere in the middle. Uh, but getting back to, um, you know, the wingspan and the, you know, the lack of aerodynamics of the bee, uh, bees can carry 300 times their weight. And they never, shall we say, uh, shirk back from their duties to contribute to the community. Um, but yet, they also have time to stop and smell the roses, right? You know, bees can also demonstrate accomplishing things that are just go way beyond logic. And all your hard work means nothing if you don't get to enjoy the rewards. So stop and smell the roses. And, or likewise, when life begins to stagnate, so does your spirit. So what's keeping you grounded? What, what are you thinking that you're limited that you, that you cannot do? And so bees also fit um, a very specific role in nature, you know, and just pollinating other plants. And, and this is necessary for the ongoing life of many crops. If we didn't have bees, forget it. You know, it also delivers humans with wax and honey and, it, you know, giving bees the additional symbolic value of how they provide. And actually, you know, you know just uh, taking a page out of history, Einstein believed so strongly in bees and the importance of bees to the ecosystem that um, I think he made a prediction at one point, I want to say, uh, that if bees disappeared, humans would not survive more than four years after that. Well, the last story about where my uh, spirit animals showed up uh, actually involved the buzzard or the turkey vulture. Okay, and uh, yeah, we've we've seen these uh, uh, birds um, along highways or back roads, or they seem to be devouring something that has already died and picking off, you know, meat from carcasses and so forth, and um, you know. Uh, we just don't pay it any attention. But um, years ago, when my daughter was quite young, and um, 
I was inside a house and she was outside and she comes running in. She goes, Dad, come on out here. I need you to look, you know, come out to the front yard in all these trees. She goes, all these birds are out there. And, you know, you hear this racket. and They're making a bunch of noise. And, and so we go out there and I'm looking up at all these vultures that were in our trees. Then they were just sitting there. And they were just making noise, you know, talking to each other or, or maybe talking to us. Who knows? But uh, all of a sudden, they swooped down and they flew over our heads. And it was so close that we could hear and feel the swoosh from their powerful wings. And interestingly, they didn't just fly away. They just went from the trees in the front yard to the trees in the backyard. And then eventually they went on their way. But it was almost as if, say, did you see us? You're paying attention now? And so forth. So, of course, I had to, you know, do a little research on, you know, the characteristics of the turkey vultures or the buzzards. And uh, quite fascinating creatures. Because within the Mayan culture, um, you know, the, the vultures are considered symbols of cleanliness. And, I mean, really, can you imagine what the world would look like without the vultures? I mean, what would happen to dead animals? Because, you see, the vulture is kind of like the garbage collector of the wild. And, um, you know, and, and it's just something that was just very fascinating. And just how the, the turkey vulture or the buzzard um, teaches us the importance of keeping our environment clean always. Because they can devour things that would kill us. You know, we couldn't feed on, you know, three-day, four-day, five-day-old carcasses. You know, we had botulism and all that. We just couldn't do it. But it doesn't phase the buzzard or the turkey vulture. It's just like, yeah, no problem. We'll take care of this. We'll keep the environment clean or the ecoculture, uh, you know, clean. And um, they just, their stomachs can handle it and so forth. They have, like I said, they have no trouble with that. So they they have a very vital role uh, in in our lives in you know, just keeping the, uh, the the ecosystem clean. And again, if you want to look at this at a spiritual level, you know, it also speaks about transformation. You know, going from that which is dead to that which gives life. You know, things that are dead actually keep the turkey vulture or turkey buzzard alive. Well, um, now that you got me talking about <laughs> uh, talking about uh, <clears throat> spirit animals, I'm going to share one more with you. Uh, this was my last time to India about two years ago, and uh, I was high up on the mountains. Actually, I was headed toward the um, uh, Himalayas, and... Um, you know, there's precautions you have to take because you are high up in the mountains and the air is quite thin and so forth. But um, I was there with my, my guide and we were just driving to like the base part of it to where I would, you know, walk with him then on, on a path to go up to higher elevations. And uh, we were just driving along and this is daylight, okay? And a mountain leopard actually jumped in front of the van that my guide was driving and um, just stopped and looked at us and and just looked at me. And I looked back at this leopard, just fascinated, just a beautiful, beautiful creature, beautiful fur, 
wonderful spots. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful cat, for lack of a better word. Okay? And this lasted for about 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden, it was gone. It just bounced off down off the road, down, you know, back down the side of the mountain, and we didn't see it again. And um, it was just fascinating. The guide was probably more shocked about this than I was because he says, you know, the with the the leopards, they do not um, come out during daylight. They that's when they sleep, but they hunt at night, and they've been known to attack, you know, humans. So you have to be really careful about this. But the fact that the leopard came out during the daylight and just you know stared at us, he took that to me, and it's like this is rare. Something's going on here. This is he's never seen anything like that before. And so um, again, I went and uh, thought about this, reflected on it, did you know some homework and and so forth, and uh, realized that uh, a leopard is is very much a, a hunter. Uh, a leopard is one who protects. Uh, a leopard uh, has great vision, uh, a, a strong sense of smell, and so forth, and just very powerful characteristics as well as being able to live up in high altitudes. It just adapts well to, uh, you know, different circumstances in life. And so in reflecting upon this, I just realized that, again, part of my own spiritual transformation of, of just, you know, perhaps the leper just popped in to say hello and um, to, for me to be reminded that, um, you know, these, these gifts lie within myself as well. So very grateful for not only the leopard, but also the bees, uh, the panda bears, and the turkey vultures. And, of course, I've had others. Like I said, I've, I've had a great time uh, out in the southern Ute um, uh, tribe of uh, southwestern Colorado and learned quite a bit uh, about the bear, the bear dance, and so forth. So I'm certainly grateful for uh, the bear. Well, there's um, many, many, many examples that I can come up with and just um, that have been written about how humanity has interacted with animals. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about just Dr. Doolittle. Okay, that's that's a story. Okay. But um, legitimate stories in which people uh, interacted with animals and they seem to have this connection with the animals and uh, perhaps you know your dog or your cat you know is going to have or does have i should say a special connection with you that i always say that whenever people go you know like say we're going to go get a dog or we're going to go get a cat um you know it's interesting as they describe that experience just how often the dog or the cat chooses them you know it's, it's not the other way around it's like well we walked in and we we saw this beautiful beautiful um dog and she was very friendly and um you know just came up to us and it's like well are you sure that maybe perhaps she didn't choose you instead of you choosing her and um you know get them to think just how they interact with their their animals and how the animals interact with them and um, and speaking of dogs and even cats, um, you know the the dog can sense when we come home at the end of the day. 
you know, gets used to hearing our car, the sound of our car or the, the noise our door makes when we, when we shut the door, you know, and so forth. So, um, and, um, my fascinating thing is, uh, my dogs can tell just what kind of day I had or the kind of day my wife had, uh, even before we get in the door, you know, just by opening the door and how we open the door, um, you know, our dogs can, can really pick up on, oh, you had a good day or "Mm, things didn't go as planned today, did it? And, um, and how many times? Have your animals just kind of curled up next to you, snuggled with you? I mean, of course, the dog is a pack animal, much like the wolf. But, um, you know, they they sense so much. They interact with us on different levels, you know. And, um, you know, many times I've had people um, share with me stories of of after they've um, needed to put down their dog for one reason or another, sickness, illness, or just old age, and how the dog would show up again in dreams uh, just to say, you know, a hello, or just to uh, reinforce the idea that uh, they still have a connection, you know, with their owners. So um, just encourage you to pay attention to the animals in and around your lives. And, you know, they have much to teach us about not only who they are or or their characteristics and so forth, but they have a lot to teach us about ourselves. You know, we have a lot to learn about ourselves too. And uh, a spirit animal can certainly make that happen. And um, it is just, they show up with very specific intentions. And uh, like I said, they, I believe very strongly that they, our spirit animals are matched with us for some reason. These things just don't occur out of the blue or at random, but there are very specific circumstances because of the timing and the situations in our lives. So, um, If you've never done so before, keep a a dream journal by your bed. Make note of these dreams. Just write them down. Uh, Don't wait till the morning because you won't remember your dreams. But even if it's gibberish, just uh, jot down very quickly, um, you know, what the dream was about and and so forth. Okay? So, again, I just want to encourage you to just uh, pay attention to the animal kingdom. Um, We uh, are so interdependent on uh, on one another and um we we have that kind of connection with them so um i'm dr james hauck and you have been listening to reclaiming authenticity so um join me next week for another live broadcast uh, 3 p.m eastern standard time noon pacific standard time right here on bbsradio.com station one and in the meantime behave yourselves um you know um have fun but uh be careful and uh, may god hold us in the palm of god's hand till we talk with one another see each other again take care bye-bye For an answer, or just to leave a thousand comments, or prodding to buy a book by Dr. Hauk, it's all there. Just wander on over to ReclaimingAuthenticity.com and click around. And we'll see you next Friday at noon Pacific time on PBS Radio TV.